0: Hello and welcome to the Touchdown Wire NFL Podcast, USA Sports Network. This is Doug Farrar, the editor of Touchdown Wire, and our special guest today is LaShawn McCoy, veteran running back who, uh, you got two chips, LaShawn. You uh, last two years. That's pretty, that's pretty nice. Uh, because you had to wait so long to get even one, and then you got two, do you think it meant more to you than if you had, you know, like a Ronald Jones or, you know, like earlier on in your career? Do you think it meant more to you to get those later? I want to
1: word it as, um, I guess, more important. i um, just a all, to you. Yeah, they all they all mean a lot to me. I think I think it'd be a lot cooler if I could have got that championship in Philadelphia. I think um, that was like home for me, and I'm like yeah. a hometown kid, being like an hour away and growing up kind of there and being drafted there, such a young kid and having like a lot of my big success there. Um, that would have been pretty cool. I think that might have meant a little more. I think just from the the way I've been viewed there, you know, my they're going to retire my number when I'm done and um, being an all-time leading franchise uh, Russian leader, all them things and having so much success and coming in with guys that I've played with since I was 20 years old till I got older, that probably been a lot more. I think there's a lot fun and, and more probably to me, I would say so.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we to the football stuff, I wanted to start by talking about the Shades of Greatness Foundation, and you're involved in everything from ALS advocacy, and I want you to talk about that specifically and why, to building a new foster home, to community outreach. And what I find it interesting is that every place you've played, you have sort of hands on community yeah. outreach in all those places, even though you're not there anymore. So just talk about your foundation overall. Start with the ALS angle, because that was, that was really interesting to me why that's important to you.
1: So uh, my grandmother, um, in 2000, I want to say, 11, uh, around that time is when ALS really kicked in for her. She passed away. Uh, It's such a a dangerous disease, man. It really diminishes the whole body. And um, I remember just her being so sweet, so kind. I would always ask God, like, why, you know, why her? All those people, she's probably the the most genuine person I know. Um, And and I decided to, in her name, my grandmother's name to to really get behind ALS to trying to find a cure, to trying to help families out um in need that 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 go through these um terrible um accidents and, and and terrible times. So one thing that really jumped out to me is that a lot of people may know me from sports. That's just my brain, right? But when I started doing the ALS thing, man, and meeting different families yeah. and, and reaching out to, to help um to find a cure, I I started getting these these um, meeting these people, having these conversations other than football. So football would bring us together, right? And then we would have our conversations about our families, how to deal with the patients, you know, um, there's tough times, you know, how to make my, my, the, the individual that's going through it um, feel better. Because sometimes the ALS, it takes away your speech, your, your movement, your hands, your, the way you can talk, everything. Um, so that's what made it big. And then once that happened, I started feeling another side side, like, like these people were really heroes to me. Because it's something that they helped me out with something that was tragic in my life. Um, and it's brought, brought me closer. And then that's something that we, we made bigger. We started um, really impacting a lot of communities. I always wanted to leave a community better than when I got there. You know, mm-hmm. just from helping, you know, um, kids out with, with different holidays, preparing for school with, with supplies, um, whatever it is, giving people money to, to get these accessories for ALS. Some, some people, when they lose their, their, um, their ability to walk, um, and, and they can't walk anymore, getting in wheelchairs. You know, helping families. Um, well, my, my foundation, we've we um, sponsored and paid for like like vans where you could transport the, the um the um wheelchairs in the vans. Like doing all these different things to help people out because I've been there with my grandmother, you know. And I had the funds to help to do it. So now that I can help other people, why not? So I mean, at my foundation, we've been doing so much. We have a camp um, coming up this weekend or the 31st, I should say. Um, and we're just doing different things to, to raise money, man, to help out each community. No matter if it's for ALS, like I said before, it's shelter, whatever it is, you know, we want to leave a community better than when we got there. And that's just how my parents, you know, they really, the, the supporters of my foundation, is involved, you know, I really thank them because they really make me a better person and we help to make better people.
0: Yeah, well, we'll put the link in the article and uh, it's great stuff and how people can get involved and, and learn more, That that's, that's really awesome stuff. I want to ask you about uh, one specific stat. Since 2009, you have the most yards from scrimmage in the NFL with 15,000 on the dot. As much as running backs have been asked to be multifaceted players now, how much do you think you kind of set the tone for that with what you did throughout your career? Because, I mean, everyone knows about, you know, Shady and the Barry Sanders moves, but really as a receiver, as sort of a motion guy from the backfield into the slot, and you started doing that with Andy and, and, you know, on from there. Um, you were kind of a table setter in my mind for the way running backs are used today.
1: Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I always just pride myself on um, just being reliable, you know, being dependable uh, and versatile. It's like a lot of guys see me as one type of player. A guy that's a shifty. I remember when I, um, when I, when I had Andy Reid, we didn't run the ball much. I think my last year of his, he got um, fired, or, or maybe the second year. But anyway. Same to last year He got fired, and it was like we ran a little bit the ball a little bit more. But his thing was throwing the ball. So I said, hey, if I gotta be a great player catching the ball, I'll do that. Whatever it takes to be a, um, a player is respected. I remember when we got Chip Kelly. They were like, well, Shady be good in that scheme. It's good for like you know shifty back, but they get tons of carries. You know where Andy read I didn't get tons of carries. So I did well in that system, getting 300 carries and plus. Then I went to Buffalo. Right, it's more downhill. Is he tough enough? Can he get behind our information? And I did well there. So I always want to pride myself on whatever, no matter what it is, if it's catching, if it's running, if it's blocking, whatever it takes, man, to be successful, you know, to to, to make a big impact for my teammates and for my team, I, I want to do it. And if it's catching the ball in space, you know, you know, so big. So I always want to pride myself on being that type of running back. There's a lot of guys that can't play in every system.
0: Yeah, well, the thing about yards like, with contact and you know breaking tackles and all that—I mean, you can be Derrick Henry at two forty. People don't remember Marshawn Lynch played at two fifteen. You don't have to be big. Well, what what's like the key to breaking contact when you're not that big guy?
1: See, and it's it's different. See, like that's a great point because um, a lot of years, man, you look on the on the stat sheets and you think of old oh, bro tackles, and you'll think of guys like in my time, you'll think guys like um Adrian Peterson, you think guys like um Frank Gore and even Marshawn Lynch, these powerful guys, right? But my broken tackles were different. So I play with leverage. I get a guy, you know, stumbling a little bit, leaning left. I'm going right. And and in a small area, right, I could, you know, get him, lead him left and run through his right arm tackle. You know what I'm saying? And that's a broken tackle. So it's not necessarily just running through a guy completely. You know, it's a broken tackle where I get a guy stumbling and I shake him up. He comes to hit me, I might spin out of it, or I, I take the, the, the weaker shoulder, it's playing with angles. So that's something that I learned about, like, breaking tackles, is it is about strength, but it's also about playing with angles. And, and in sports, especially in football, it's all about inches. you
0: know? Yeah. Where are you with – I mean, you had said that maybe if you won another Super Bowl, you might retire. Obviously, I don't think that's the case. Um Where are you with the NFL right now? Kind of how do you see yourself? And when so- – terrible thing that happened to cam acres yesterday lost for the season you know when you when you see something like that i mean is your agent calling you are you calling your agent is he reaching out are you reaching out are you like do you have your hands in all these situations or you kind of wait for it to come to you
1: i think it's yeah it's not relative to to like because i i'm involved you know i'll text my agent and he'll text me and um, i'll see different things um but then i'm also waiting i'm like I'm, i'm happy where i'm at now, I also have that competitive nature in me that's just been in me since I've been a child. So I definitely want to play. Um, it just has to be the right situation. I think there's some great teams that reached out, um, and I think they're great organizations and they're great programs. Um, I just think from my, where I'm at in my life um, and things I want to do for a team. And to better my career, you know, it has to be the right situation. Um, and it's no disrespect to the teams, but, I mean, that would be a great opportunity, I think, L.A. Um, who doesn't want to be in L.A.? You know, but then yeah. the team, I think Sean Vays a great coach. Uh, mastermind, and uh, I think he's, they made some great moves this offseason. season. And you know, one of my best friends, um, Deshaun Jackson, he just—you brought it up. He just called me yesterday, and he called me today about you know potentially coming out there. We just joking about it, um, yeah. But but I mean, like I'm I'm aware, I'm alert of what's going on. So I think that's a great team. That was a great fit. Yeah, I think they have a great chance to win a Super Bowl and the best player in NFL plays for them. By yeah. the way, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh guy, you know. There you
0: go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah best defensive lineman, probably best cornerback, one of the top three quarterbacks. I mean, they're, they they got it set up for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you think about – I mean, you obviously watch teams and you know of Stafford. What do you – I mean, to me, that's just a – not to, you know, malign Jared Goff, that's a preposterous upgrade.
1: I mean, and the thing is, like, I don't even think he gets enough credit. No, he doesn't. Because he can play. Like, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, take any – uh, or disrespect any players he's played with with um, the Lions, you know. But I don't think that some teams were like super great. I and mean, he does some great things over there. I Man, he's super talented. a Big arm, very intelligent, smart guy. You know, I know Stafford. Um, we came in together, actually, in the same draft.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and uh, we did like camera shoots together, and you know, photo shoots. So I know him. And he's he can play. He really can play. And I think a lot of guys they'll see him this year and they look at him differently because he's on a winning team getting more exposure with a good defense, with some playmakers around him. He's going to make some plays, and they're going to make some noise. So I think that's a big upgrade, like you said.
0: Yeah. Uh, you are 33, Mr. McCoy. Just celebrated that's your 33rd true. birthday, July 12th, uh, my mom's birthday. So... No, 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 no. Um, give me the re- give me the scouting report on LaShawn McCoy at this point in his career. What can he do to help a team? Well, how is I, he, I How does he fit?
1: LeSean McCoy is viable for any team, especially a winning team that's competing um, for a championship. Is, uh, he's, first of all, he's, he's going to be the smartest guy in the room. I mean, that's no disrespect to anybody, but he's going to know his position and others. He's going to work extremely hard. He's going to put the, the other young guys, running backs. He's going to show them how to be a professional, show them how to be a, a franchise running back. Um, and the best part about Lashawn McCoy at this age of 33 is that if, if any of the young starters go down and get hurt or something happens, he can go in there and, and fill their shoes and there will not be a drop-off in the running back room at all. Um, you know. And, and I think that he raises the competition level. Some guys are, are comfortable with some guys backing them up. And other guys, when they have a certain name, a certain caliber of player behind them, it makes them play harder. It makes them compete more. I think that's what you get out of me. And you get a leader. Um, I think it's always good to have a leader from a lineman, from a quarterback, and you need one from the running back. Uh, that's just my, my beliefs, and I think that that's something you get with me.
0: Players often say as they get older, they get smarter about the game. Um, kind of that I wish I knew then what I know now thing. How has that played out for you? Like, what do you know about – what do you know now as a running back that maybe you didn't know in, like, 2013 when you led the league in both rushing and yards from scrimmage? Like, how are you more educated as a player?
1: I think, um, knowing what I know now, I, I would have been a lot more, um, been more greedier or more greedy, I should say. Um, because like sometimes where I'm, I- I'm so humble with my teammates where, you know, you look at like your stats, right. Um, and, and some games where I did really well and we went in the game, I said, like, okay, let the other guys get their, their share. I should have got them yards. You know, and I'd have had more yards. Um, I look at now, like, like, um, when I was younger and I was just playing, I was doing so well that I didn't think to learn the game where I got older. Um, and I, and I worked a lot smarter where I, I didn't think I had to learn the game. I was just, Hey, I'm bearing these dudes. <laughs> they can't tackle me. And if I'd have been more of a student, I think I'd have done more. I'd have had more success. And I think the last thing, uh, if now, you know, looking back on the McCall or Shady, I should say back then is, um, you know, like like bringing my my players closer, not just like my friends or the guys that are doing well, but maybe the guy that's struggling. You know, I, I would think that all right. Well, it's the coach's job to get the left guard better. You know, maybe not getting on not getting on him enough, but really um, constructive criticism. You know, helping them get better. Watch and take with him, learning with him, or knowing know more about him. Or, okay, well, he doesn't work well, great with his left. You know, trying to figure them out as I'm running the ball. Like these type of things as a leader, I think I didn't learn until I got older uh, where you need everybody. You know, it's not just the coach's job to keep coach, it's the player's job. If I'm more yeah. advanced and I'm ready, teach the younger guys or, or teach, um, even got to our establishment older, you know, help them out. That's something that I didn't do. I just felt like, hey, your job is to do your job, right? And if you don't, the coach will correct that. And my job was more the same way where, I- could have been better with being like a better teammate, as far as like helping and coaching.
0: I learned that uh, I've been. I'm in Seattle. I've been covering uh. I'm calling my covered.
1: son. John, okay. The food's ready. Get the food. Food.
0: <laughs> it's lunchtime. <laughs> All good. Uh, Learn that covering the uh, especially the LOB Seahawks defense in the early 2010s where. You know, the coaches aren't in the locker room. You know this. And there were certain guys who held everyone accountable. And it was either Earl Thomas who didn't say anything. Earl just shoot you a look and you knew, like, oh, God, I'm in trouble now. Or Sherm who, you know, doing his thing. But there are those players in every locker room who they're kind of the the tone setters. They hold everyone accountable. That's a big deal. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's something that, like, I I think about it now. It's like um, I'm like that now, you know, even, like, being older. And wasn't playing as much as I'm used to. But still voice my opinion and, and, and uh carrying weight. Like, hey man, this that's not good enough. When we watch tape, they wanna know how, what I see. What do you think? Shay, what you see on this? What you, what you think I did wrong? I'm telling them, we practice, yo, that wasn't good enough, man. Come on, like that's not good enough. That's not gonna get you nowhere. It's not gonna get you paid, that's not gonna get us winning. So these things of being like a leader, I really embrace that role. You know, that's why like everybody's you know was, was questioning how I would act if I didn't play as much. And I was playing earlier um, that we got Fournette and he's, there. you know, it's a young man's game. I get it. And they took over more. But my job was still to get these boys playing at a certain elite level, you know, and, and they look they look towards me to do that, you know, and, and I respect it. So any way I can affect the game man, if it's on the field of coaching, I mean, that's that's who I am. That's the person I am. So so I enjoy them type of things of being a guy that's um, reliable in the locker room to hold guys at a higher standard
0: you want to be a coach when you're done with this? Do you want to be a broadcaster? Like, what do you want to do?
1: I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be an analyst. Um, I love the game. I love to talk about it. I love the coach. I love to be the type of person where I could a, – a, a regular person at home that loves the game but not, might not know it, how it feels to be in a locker room or be on the field. Teach them. Because I think sometimes people just see this football, you know, guys running, catching, but break, break it down so you really can see everything and learn everything about it. So that's something I really want to do.
0: Yeah, um, I wrote a piece today about how Brady could be even better in 2021, which is a scary thought at 44. Because it seemed like, I mean, you tell me if I'm way off here. It seemed like Brady came in, and Arians and Leftwich are obviously brilliant guys. There's no question about that. But it seemed it seemed at first like he, Tom was getting used to the offense, different, and not a lot of pre snap motion, not a lot of play action, and it seemed like. After the bye, it all kind of came together. Did you see a kind of a, a just an elevation and kind of a, a yeah. development of the offense over that year?
1: You're totally right. You know, this is like, people forget, man. Tom Brady played with, with the Patriots for 20 years, the same offense, right? Yeah. So he knows it. So if you ask him to install the, the offense, he could do it himself. Take it easy, I got it, and just do everything, right? Where here, he was learning like we were learning. You know what I'm saying? So, you come to the new offense, you're learning everything new. Um, and Um, He's a guy. He's smart. He wants to know everything. And then he knows certain things that you don't have to teach. So, it was a new offense. He's learning it, different checks, different reads. Um, Everybody has, like, different hot reads. Like, if they're blitzing and, you know, in New England, he did it a different way. Bruce Arians, he does a different way. So, learning that whole offense. And then I think slowly but surely coming together, right? And even, like, um after the bye, like you talked about, where – Aarons gave us a little bit more control. So now it's Bruce Aarons and Tom working together. That's dangerous already. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and then, like you say, got better and better. So this year, I expect him to do a lot more good, a lot lot better plays, a lot more yards. He's, he's comfortable now. He knows the offense. And then we clicked at the right time last year. And this year, I mean, yeah, go hear that with some players. No-brainer. So no-brainer.
0: Yeah. Uh, is Byron Luffridge a head coach in waiting?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think he's doing a great job right now. Um, he does, he's doing a great job right now as office coordinator, smart. He, he does really well, I think, from being a, a player and also being a quarterback. He takes his – he takes advice from different coaches, but he also takes a lot of advice from the players. What do you see? What do you feel? How you feel about it? Them type of things. And, and, and he's, he's on the making.
0: Give me your Shorter, best, Bruce. Yeah. Give you, you give me the best Bruce Arians story because I just love that guy.
1: Oh, I mean, he's he's the best. Like, uh, he's uh, <laughs> cuss you out and give you some love, you know. Um, he's you know, it's time we got of time. What the, you know, all that type of stuff. And the thing I love about him, I won't give you a particular story, but the thing I love about him is he treats everybody the same, good and bad, and he wants the best for you. And he hasn't eye anything, like. Listen, brother, if you're going to play this game, do it the right way. If you don't, you can't play. Like, like, players need that. You're not lying. You're not putting no punches. You're not gassing me up. You're not telling me your story. you tell me the truth. And I, I respect him for who he is. And, and even, like, um his coaching staff, you know, diverse. I mean, it's like female coaches, black coaches, white. It doesn't matter. Hey, if you can coach, you can play, you're going to do it. And that's one thing that I love about him. And he's a PA guy. So I grew up in Harrisburg, grew up in like Lancaster, and, you know, so we clicked right away.
0: Yeah. And now, I mean, it's, it's great that he has that standard, but he has gone out of his way to make that room more inclusive, which is really cool. Uh, Want to ask you about Andy Reed, who I think you, you know him pretty well, uh, two different stocks, right Fi- Philadelphia and Kansas city. I'm interested in the evolution of that offense because it, after he got fired in Philly, he, um, he started talking to Brad Childress about spread game coordinator. He brought in Chris Salt, who was, kind of invented the pistol formation at Nevada with Kaepernick and all that. When you got back in that offense in 2019, how was it different? Because it seemed like West Coast vertical in, in Philadelphia, and then they had Alex Smith, and then Mahomes came in, and it was like, okay, I've been preparing for this for like six years, and now I've got the guy.
1: Well, Andy Reese, he's so intelligent. I mean, his brain works different than I want to say what? 95% of the NFL, especially office coordinators, for example, like he didn't call the play. He didn't call the plays in Philly when I was there. When I got there, he didn't call the plays. So, but he had the West Coast system, right? So, yes, he still has that with Kansas City. But he, he's involved it because he took with um, when Mahomes did great at Texas Tech. See, he doesn't have that ego where some coaches, this is my system. This is what it is. You adjust. No, he's not like that. I'm going to adjust to you. This is my offense. You can do this but I'm going to adjust what you did great in Texas Tech. I'm going to put that in here, right? Um, you get guys like Tyreek Hill, who is who – he he's, he's one of the best talents you'll ever see. Yeah. Okay, so you play running a game where i okay, cool. I'm going to adjust that. I'm going to put this in there. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he plugging all these players up, they, what they do best. I mean, his, his tight end, Kelsey, he can do everything. You know, he's he's the real one-on-one issue. That, you know.
0: They have this formation, and you, uh, you know it well. It's Kelsey is the Y-Iso, three to the dominant side. Tyreek yep. is the inside slot guy. It's in, it's indefensible. You can't defend Do it. Do so
1: much out of it, and, and, and that's the thing with Andy. So, he doesn't have – I mean, he is what he is, and he knows he knows he's the guy. He knows that. But yeah. he's so humble, man, and he's always trying to – he always tells players, be yourself, let your personality show. And that means, hey, whatever got you here, be that person because I'm going to help you to, to be that person and be comfortable with it. And even like Mahomes, like, a lot of stuff Mahomes does is not, it's not fundamentals. That's who Patrick Mahomes is. And he makes plays, and that's what got you. And That's what we, why we drafted you, you know? So Andy Reid lets you be who you are. I remember when I swung with the ball with one hand or have it out, when I got there, everybody to yell at me, Shady, no, duh. And Andy, he don't say much, especially to rookies. He would, he, he would cough. <clears throat> he would tell the guys, let him go. One day we had a meeting, and he was like, um, I don't care what nobody says. I want you to run how you want to run. The only guy asks is you get in traffic, cover that ball up. He said, I want you to be, if you run with the ball in my hand, you make guys mess, do what you got to do. Be yourself. Now, if you start fumbling, then, you know, I'll correct you. But that's an example of letting you be yourself. Cause that's what got you here. You know?
0: Tell me about Eric the enemy.
1: Um, I think, um, I think, uh, EB is, um, he knows the running back system. He knows the running back, running back game very well. I think he's good at
0: that. You think he's a head coach?
1: I mean, I, that's that's really not my. Um, I mean, I, I don't make that call. I yeah, I don't know. Who, you know, that's that's for the GMs and the presidents. But I think he really knows the running back system, the running game very well, and he's he's good at that.
0: Yeah. Um. You were obviously aware of Mahomes before you joined the chiefs but what were your impressions of him when you first became his teammate like what what stood because I mean obviously it transcended talent but what stood out to you maybe that we don't know
1: um this well people should know but he's really new like like he's done so much has so much success so early he's done so well he's done things that quarterbacks hasn't done and people don't understand that he's really new at this I mean now he's getting a little older. But I remember when I got there, he was only starting for his second year, I think, as a starter. You know what I'm saying? And to be doing so much, being so smart, making these plays, putting the team on his shoulders like at a young age, sky's the limit for him going forward. He's going to have a big career, big future. Um, and he's, he's a lot tougher than people think. Yeah. You know, like.
0: Well, he showed that last season with all the injuries, man. Hey,
1: and, and, and he, ain't, he ain't backing off. I mean, he's hurt. He's going to play through I mean, I, he reminds me of young of myself at a young age, like, hey, whatever it is, I'm playing for my team. You know, most quarterbacks, they don't say it like that. You know, very few I, I, that I know of. You know, guys, they a little banged up. They might, you know, play it safe because that, that position is so special. But he's like, hey, we need to be out there. I'm out there. Yeah. You know, and I love that about Moans.
0: Same Mahomes question about Tom Brady. You had to deal with him twice a year as a member of the Bills, uh, which usually didn't go your way. <laughs> but what was it like to be in the rooms and on the field with him? Like, were there things about him when you were his teammate that you learned about just what makes him him—the the the one-off, the unicorn, the the white rhino? Like, why is he the way he is? Why is he that great?
1: Well, I think for a lot of different reasons. One is, um, he's the ultimate competitor. He's, you know what? He can fool you. He's, he's real cool. He's, he's soft, like, you know, he's like very nice guy. Not soft, but he's a nice dude. And even when he talks to you, everything's positive. Everything is positive. How are you doing? Great job. You look good today. You know, and, and he's a real leader. I've, I've never been on a leader like him. You know, he makes the the everybody feel good from janitor to the cook to the, to the superstar wide receiver. Everybody, he makes he builds everybody up. Um, he's so smart. You know, he wants everybody to have that advantage. He talks about it like, hey, I get advantages by being what, not just smarter, but being more prepared. And he's always he always talks about, I will never ask you to do something that, that he won't do. You know, and, and he's the only player I've been around where if he told you, hey, look, Shady, go out there and walk on that water, I guarantee you that you will not fall in. And you believe it <laughs> because he, he has that winning factor to him that, that – a player that might have a bad game or look bad last year with him, they're going to feel good and feel better. And he has that thing about him where he brings that, that, that caliber, right. That, that attitude to the team, a winning type of attitude and culture. Um, I mean, I can go on Irish about him, but, but yes. Yeah. Him being a leader, you know, really just helps everybody out.
0: What advice would you give a running back today? I mean, you had you know Rojo in, in Tampa Bay and, you know, some young guys in KC. You know, you talk about running backs don't matter, which is hilarious. But wh- what would advice would you give a young running back, say a rookie, say a Najee Harris or whoever, who wants to matter in today's NFL? How do you matter?
1: You know, I, I would tell these guys, man, like know who you are. It, you go from being at the top of the level, right, top guy in college, to now you're a rookie, guys. You're a rookie. I mean, if you're Najee or you a guy that's third round, fourth round, first round. Still not the same, right? now look at the same. You know, I'm just trying to find my way, trying to make plays, but you know, I don't want to mess up. No, be that same guy you was in college in the NFL. Play with that same confidence. It's all about confidence because they might not know you' the superstar, but you know you' a superstar and carry that same attitude where I'm gonna outwork everybody. So when when and put yourself in positions to to succeed, you know, not just trying to fit in. I'm as rookie. I just wanted to be. It was cool for me. Like, hey, I'm on a team. I started this game. Oh, I can go out to the club tonight. We won. Like, no, I deserve to be there. I remember mean, my second year in my mind, it was like, these people need to know who I am. You know, the Eagle fans need to know who I am. The, my coach need to know that we need to give LaShawn McCoy the ball. When you carry yourself like that, it's contagious where the coaches they believe in that. Oh wow, this, this young kid, he's he's ready to go. He's mature. You know, there's this quarterback. Oh, we, I give him the ball fourth quarter because you going to make plays. When you see yourself as being a guy and being confident, it carries you to a whole nother level. And that's the biggest thing is playing with confidence.
0: As it stands now, you're 22nd all-time in rushing yards, 11,102. You're 22nd all-time in yards from scrimmage with 15,000 on the dot, as I mentioned. Do you think about Hall of Fame possibilities?
1: I do. I really do. I, I think that I'm, I would love to be a Hall of Famer. I think uh, what matters most is, like, in your time, in your air, you know, what did you mean to the league? You know, and I, I have things that tells people that I was a uh, force to reckon with in my time. I think um I think my style is unique. I think you're going to see my type of style for another couple of years. Um, You know, all, all these things and decade team and, and yards and, and um, championships and, and, and uh, rushing titles, like all these things, Pro Bowls, All-Pros, all these things add up. You know, so when I look at myself, compared to a lot of other running backs that are in the Hall of Fame, like, I mean, you put the tape on, you compare them, you want to see who would you take. Come on, I I would take myself. You know, I think a lot of people would take me. So it's a hard thing not to be arrogant, but it's it's one thing to still want it. You know, I think it's more just I really want it because I deserve it. You know, not more just because of it's a numbers thing. But I think collectively from accolades to production, and things like
0: that matters. Yeah, tape don't lie, as they say. Who do you like watching today? Who are your favorite running backs to, to check out?
1: You know what? I um I like McCaffrey. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I like McCaffrey. I like um, um I like um, Kamara. I think Kamara's is really good. Um, I, I like Barkley. I need to. He got to. He got to do a little more. Got to. He's He got to stay healthy. Yeah, really see. You know, because he has a bunch load of talent. Whew some and, then, and he, even like um, his style is a lot different, um, uh, you know, and I, I respect him more than I ever did. is um, uh, his Henry, you know, the guy that mm-hmm. did, did loads of carries and stay healthy, you know, um, um, I like his game. I like Cook, I like um, um,
0: really underrated guy.
1: Yeah, I like Cook a lot. He got to stay healthy, also. I like his game. You know, I'm um, what am I leaving out? That's really really good. I like Chub. Other- Yo. I like Chubbs a lot.
0: Boy, he's good. Listen,
1: listen. Now I won't get into that because that will make a big headliner, but I'll just say this. Chubbs on certain teams, he would be the best running back in the league, right? And I think he's up there right now. He's, he's definitely top three. Um, he gets it done. He gets it done. I like Zeke. I like, I like a Zeke that's in shape. You know, people forget about Zeke. And, uh, and that's what happens when you when you dominate the league for a while, and then you have a year off, a bad year, or two. You know, what I'm saying they they want to take you down. But Zeke is a top elite running back. I think he's in shape. I think he's focused. He puts numbers up. You know, uh, and then you know, guys get injured. You know, that's part of the game. So uh, there's a lot of guys I do like. A lot of them.
0: Here's an insane stat about Derrick Henry. He, over the last two seasons, he has more yards after contact than any other running back has yards.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, he's, say his style is is unique. I think. I think a lot of teams are throwing the ball a lot more. And yeah. I think that the Titans are actually sticking to what they do. You know, and I love that. And, and he's the type of guy who wear you down. And he's, and he's fast. People know how fast he is. When he gets to that secondary, um, he's lights out. Now, a kid that nobody really knows, right? Well, they know about him, but he's underrated. Is um, Jacobs from Oakland. Now, listen. Yes. If he continues to do does well, right? Take care of his body. get him some help. He's going to be one of the best running backs, too. Next two, three years. Maybe one of them guys.
0: Yeah, you watch college guys at all?
1: Not really. I'm not a college guy. I'm more, more pros. You know, I, am more of a pro guy.
0: Yeah. Like uh, buy stock in Javante Williams. That's all I gotta say.
1: Because my thing, college, they just like they give you yards now, like yeah. You know, what I'm saying it's like a basketball yeah. game. So uh, it's hard to watch that.
0: Yeah. Um. Tell me about your, uh, you're doing real estate development in opportunity zones.
1: Yeah. So me and my brother, um. We have a um, vice capital. We've been working for the last six, seven years. we got about like 67 units um, together. And um, we actually just got involved in developing, like developing land and and, and having like ideas and really putting money to some ideas. And, and later online, you are seeing the, the different things. we got a whole little set of community there. You know, and then um, another thing that we're, we're, we're getting involved in is Opportunity Zones, where basically the US government has um, issued these areas um, you know, like urban areas, um, been run down for a while, um, abandoned homes and, um, people for like their, um, their dividends, they get the, the uh, invested and get like a tax break for a set of years. Um, but anyway, it, 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 encourages developers to spend money down there. Um, and that's something we've been doing because one, I come from that background of urban areas, not the best, you know, and I think that when you fix them up, right. them the building buildings, you know, it makes Things a lot safer. I think it creates job opportunities, more um, jobs or storefronts or, store funds or um, small businesses you could put, you know, in the neighborhoods. Um, and it's safe and kids can walk around and you know feel like you're in a, a nice neighborhood without, you know, good buildings here and you know drug houses here. Like that's real. I've come from that, so I know. Um, you know, and uh, and that's something we've been doing. We can, you know, make affordable housing around our neighborhoods and you can fix them up. Um, you know, so that's something that we've been doing with the Opportunisms.
0: Yeah. Uh, final question. Thanks again for doing this. You're a guy who obviously keeps his eye on the world. And when everything kind of intersected with George Floyd and the NFL's efforts to, you know, make it a thing, did you feel that the NFL's efforts were authentic?
1: I mean, I, you know, I, I can't really the honest answer because I, I don't know what, what, what their intentions were. I just think that I, I'm happy that um, they made light of it. You know, I'm happy that, um, Um, they're letting people um, stand up for their rights and and use their platform for social justice and other reasons um, that they may feel is not right. So I I won't get into that narrative, you know, because I don't know. But what I can say is I'm happy that they allowed that, you know, and they spoke out because I think the NFL is one of the most popular and most watched sports. You know, so when you give these athletes a platform to make more people aware, because some people just don't know. Some people might make excuses, oh, they killed him because of this, or they did this but when they know the whole story, they know why and see how everybody's affected, I, I think that matters more, you know? and I'm happy that they did that. Um, so I can't say if it was authentic or not or if it was the right, you know, right reasons that they had behind it, any interior models. I can't – I don't know the names, but I'm happy that they, they allow players to – and they stand behind the players and they, and they use the NFL their platform because um, I, I do feel like the NFL has always been protect the shield first, You know, Mm -hmm. so step out that comfort zone a little bit and open up that shield for more than just football, right? And touchdowns. I think that's that's big um, and that's tremendous for the sport and for the people.
0: What was that like in your locker room, in your life, with your family? Just that that whole you know when the George Floyd thing happened and it really blew up in the NFL. What was that like for you as a person? I mean, it was
1: tough. I think all the different incidents that happened were tough. You know, and, and I think the um the blessing behind it though, um is that a lot of players, a lot of my white teammates, a lot of my white friends, they come from different backgrounds, and like to, to, to witness it on TV, to witness it on video, they're like, dang, they're shocked, yo, that happens. Because some people just don't know. And I think it brought us closer together because now you're fighting for the same right I'm fighting for. We talk, we have these locker room talks. You know, how can we protect our children? How can we make an impact in our communities? My hometown, their hometown, so all these things matter. And it had a big effect on each locker room, especially the locker room I was in, and see how the players reacted to it, and that, that was special because it's sad what would happen, you know, but I think that the good that came from it, you know, we made it a positive, uh, and, the, and the victims that lost their lives, I know they're down, smiling, like, wow, you know, these people are making... Um, adjustments, they're making change, you know, and that's what's needed. Um, and it's sad that they had to lose their lives for these things to happen, but I think we're slowly, slowly, but surely find an answer, you know, to these, these type of questions of how to be safe, how to police our people, you
0: know, social justice, all them type of things. Yeah. You start to see a little more enlightenment, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean McCoy, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate the time and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there this season.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. Take care. Okay. All right.